0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. We are rolling right along in our ranking series, wrapping up the offense. It's Friday, July 3rd. We're going to talk tight ends with Cody Benjamin. Make sure to check out all of the different shows in the feed. You can also check out us on YouTube. Subscribe. If you like the show in any form or fashion, you want to support us, please subscribe on YouTube. If you get got our follower account up, I'm told nothing – well, something fun will happen. I don't know. Just, just go subscribe. You want to get an alert. It's just, nothing will happen. You just subscribe. You a new, I got a new shirt. I can stop wearing this yellow shirt that you've seen me on YouTube for four straight days because we record these in chunks as far as you know. Uh, Cody Benjamin, what's up, buddy? How you doing?
1: I'm doing well. I'm not going to comment on your shirt, but I am going to comment on your beard. I don't know how many people – tell you that it's looking good, but I, I personally cannot grow a beard, and so I'm, I, I salute you for that.
0: Uh, you know what? I made the decision. It's, you hit a real, hit a real a critical juncture of the summer when I go to the beach with my in-laws for a week, and it's, do I shave or do I not shave? Because if I don't shave, I'm going to have this stupid beard tan, but I don't really feel like getting in shape, and the beard allows me to have a second chin without anyone noticing and it's thick yeah. enough that it covers it all up. So thank you. I appreciate it. I like the beard.
1: Yeah. So will you ever consider like taking it
0: down? It like, doesn't really you know. go down. It just, it's my hair. Like, does not grow long? My hair just grows into a giant mushroom and my beard does the same thing. Like it doesn't grow. It would take forever to like, get it like down, like to like my chin. It would just be this like thick, gnarly neck beard. Okay. All right. So, well,
1: however it's working right now. So. Thank
0: you. Uh, yeah, I trim it every couple of weeks when my wife starts complaining about it. She wants, she's like, Oh yeah. See It it got a little uh, it got a little grungy while we were down at the beach, and so I, I try I try to trim it up just to keep you know keep the wife off my back. But if I can make yeah. it to June in North Carolina with this thing going, please. I mean, it'll, it'll be here through through the rest of the year.
1: Maybe someday you throw some dye in there. Ooh, maybe, maybe so. like an all blonde. Are, uh, or, kind of or I thought that you
0: were going to accuse me of dyeing my beard now. I'd like oh, maybe <laughs> I like I like a little salt and pepper, but I'll I'll roll with the dark brown for for right okay. now. Um, let's get to uh. Let's get to some tight ends. We'll start. Uh, this is a the, tight ends is a fun group and you got, you got thrown a bone because Rob Gronkowski detired and, uh, we'll get to him in a minute. But first on the bottom end of this list, oh, actually I'll ask you first because so John Breach got a lot of heat for his kicker rankings. Patrick Walker got a lot of heat for his uh, running back rankings. How much and oh, and you know what? Before we do that, Sean Wagner McGuff did coach rankings and you seemed hashtag big mad about him on on twitter would you care to comment
1: i was i was actually wondering if you'd bring this up yeah. now i uh i would encourage sean I, I think we should get sean and i on the scene i, I don't want to say anything that i i wouldn't you can say, say whatever you want here. about sean
0: you can thrash yeah. him. On the
1: <laughs> well i uh, to be honest i just think um you know he, he decided the beef, to the beef, after- by the way
0: and we discussed this with uh with Debo on. Debo, did we talk about this at some point in the last 24 hours? Maybe this morning? We talked briefly um, with Patrick Walker about this. Yeah. Okay. Doug Peterson, well, Sean McVay or Doug Peterson was your bone of contention.
1: Yeah, I think it's, I just think there's no argument. Um, I think there's a, a, a sizable. Now, I mean, can you make the case that they're close? Yes, I think that's, that's fine. But I think to rank him several spots ahead of Doug Peterson is just, Um, it's just ignoring what, what reality is. And I think that, um, I felt like because I've been on the pick six podcast once before, at least that I had the, the ability to, to respond to Sean's rankings. And, uh, I, (laughs) but so I think that, you know, Sean McVay, he, he pulled out the winning percentage as, as like this chief barometer of, of what a coach should be judged by. And if that's the case, then Mike McCarthy should be on there. Um, because Pete Prisco made the same point. He is, I I believe he's above all but maybe four or five of them. And so, yes, Sean McVay has had success, there's no doubt, but I think that my point was I think a lot of Rams fans would have rather had Sean McVay coach half as smartly or as aggressively as Doug Peterson did when it really mattered. And I think, you know, Doug Peterson has beat Sean McVay's Rams twice on the road in the late season without Carson Wentz. Um, I think he didn't choke in the Super Bowl. Matter of fact, he did the quite opposite and showed up Bill Belichick uh, rather than kind of cower in his shadow. Mm-hmm. And I think that, um, I just think, you know, Sean McVay gets a lot of, he won coach of the year. He's gotten a lot of hype as being this, this smart, aggressive uh, guy. And he is. But but he's
0: secretly kind of conservative. He's not that yeah, aggressive. Like that, Doug Peterson is way more aggressive on fourth down and two point conversions and all that sort of stuff than, yeah. than Sean, Sean McVay is.
1: And I, and I realize that, you know, Sean isn't ranking most aggressive coaches, but I think that's a factor. And I think that Doug Peterson is a lot of what Sean McVay gets credit for being. And Sean continuously pointed out that he has a better winning percentage But Doug Peterson has a better winning percentage in the playoffs. I mean, he's been. Doug Peterson also has a
0: Super Bowl. He is a Super Bowl Bowl with the
1: Eagles and and Nick Foles. And so Sean would come back at me and say, "Well, I guess you're you're putting a little more weight on those games than I do." And I say, "Yes, I am because they are the playoffs, (laughs) and that's the Super Bowl." I am more. I'm
0: waiting the Super Bowl more than a regular season victory over the Arizona Cardinals, Sean. That is what I'm doing.
1: Yeah. And so again, I mean, you know, I, I welcome a conversation with Sean. I mean, we've had one. And then he pulled out this, uh, con- you know, tweeting all day long about how, oh, the Eagles fans are disrespectful. And, and I just thought, you know, you tweeted an opinion about coaches. Eagles fans are giving you their opinion. And then he pulls out the 50 year old Santa Claus thing. I mean, oh, he did, what? he did Santa Claus. Well, he said, uh, oh, somebody fan. can pull it. So, uh, you know, this this cliche national media shot at at Eagles fans and I thought, come on, Sean.
0: Yeah we that's can do weak. better. That's weak. <laughs> so I hope so, I hope that I hope that your your dominating of him on this podcast that gets him suspended or fired or something like that. Hope, <laughs> oh my I, gosh. Well, gosh. I don't know if I that Um <laughs> Sean, and I by, by the way, Doug funny. Peterson seven and nine his first year, thirteen and three, nine, seven, nine, 7 cents. And like remember the Eagles went nine and seven with Greg Ward catching passes that. But.
1: That's the thing. You have to remember the circumstance. I mean, it's not enough just to look at the wins and losses. I mean, yeah, look at, look at, I mean, the year they went 13 and three. I mean, how many players they lost? Uh, the last two years, he, he drugged them to the playoffs when halfway through the year, we're all saying there's no shot. I mean, this isn't the Super Bowl team. And yet they're back in the playoffs. They're, uh, you know, if Carson Wentz doesn't get hurt this, this past year, you know, maybe they advance. I, I just think, um, yeah, if you look at the complete body of work, which is, what he said he used, I think you you see that Doug Peterson is ahead there.
0: But, I think Shaun Sean McVay's two best teams in 17 and 18 are better than the two best Eagles teams but, that Doug Peterson has, but the, Doug Peterson has the best team. And I think if we're talking about 2020, too. Like I would rather gamble on Doug Peterson to win his division than Sean McVay.
1: And, and, and which seasons were you referencing where the Rams would be better?
0: 17 and 18, but the Eagles won the Super Bowl. And, in year.
1: Yeah, so and both true. those years – that Eagles team and that Rams team played each other yeah. in Los Angeles with yeah. playoff implications and we know who won. <laughs> now I, now you, you were, you started this by talking about everything. Oh, no, that's rankings. the
0: podcast. Thanks everybody. No, sure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you started this by talking about it and actually it's funny because I saw all these, these players coming at other people for their, their rankings. I got nothing for the tight ends. So I thought I need to work harder to make people upset. Really? Turns out. Turns out, Sean got me upset
0: enough. I guess with the uh, coach rankings, but oh yeah, right, right, yeah, that's right, yeah. We—that's uh, that, exactly what I was trying to do. try to figure out what uh, what kind of heat you got. It turns out probably not much. It's a good list. Uh, let's talk about the bottom five. Uh, Hunter Henry at ten, and is this uh, for twenty twenty? Is it, are you basically because like I think everybody had sort of different uh, criteria. Are you basing it what what you want from somebody for twenty twenty? Was it sort of body of work, et cetera, et cetera? What would you go with?
1: Yeah. I mean, the, the biggest, I guess, criteria was just um, recent success and then also uh, kind of projection for 2020. And so, you know, what have they done the last few years? I mean, so what, are, what have you done for me lately, league? Um, and I mean, it, for me, it was kind of like entering the 2020 season. This is kind of what, you know, this is where I expect the rankings to be. I mean, Hunter Henry is one of those guys where, um, you know, if you were healthy, uh, you know, he could be, I guess, anywhere on this list. I mean, he he projects you know when he's on the field and actually puts up the numbers he projects as a pro bowl caliber tight end it's just um the injuries have have plagued him and so it's similar to a guy like Evan Ingram with the Giants who wasn't on the list but was, was on He the was counter. he
0: was I was going to ask you about him next I was surprised he wasn't on there I think he's a guy who could be in the top 5 next year
1: Yeah I the, the thing with him is it's uh yeah he's had multiple injuries and if you look at his numbers they've actually gone down each year he's been in the NFL and so people talk about him as like Oh, he might be a breakout candidate. That's true, but the numbers have gone down, and so uh, yeah, yeah. He, he's definitely got a chance. But injuries.
0: Yeah, uh, Evan Ingram, 115 targets, 64 catches. That's a horrible catch rate. But uh, in his rookie year, 722 yards, and then five seventy-seven, four sixty-seven. It's literally like his numbers have declined every single year, which is very bizarre. I think if he, I think if he or Hunter Henry got 16 games, they would be candidates to creep into the top 10 next year. Uh, also on the bottom of the list, Tyler Higby, bit of a surprise there at number nine.
1: Yeah, that comes down to really, um, you just can't ignore what he did with Jared Goff in the last stretch of the season. I mean, I'm, to be honest, I'm not a huge Tyler Higby fan, but I think that, um, the, the amount of volume that he got at the end of the season was just undeniable. I mean, uh, with Brandon cooks, no longer there, I would expect there to be possibly more targets for him, um, you know, working over the middle, I mean, Jared Goff, uh, Sean McVay, he needs him to be comfortable. And so he was very comfortable with Tyler Higby down the stretch. I think that, um, I think I put in the, the story that, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if his ceiling is, is pretty close to what he, he ended up putting up last year, but that's still decent tight end numbers. Um, you know, especially in that offense.
0: Yeah. And you saw with Higby too, like about midway through the season, uh, I think it was week nine. Is when they sort of changed up what they were doing on offense and started using tight ends more and more. Higby hadn't had a, hadn't had a game, had one game over 60% where he played 60% of the snaps on offense before week nine. And then after that was 76, 69, 91, 97, 85, 89, 96. He was just on the field down the stretch. I mean, this is a guy who was a, a big time factor for, for Jared Goff had 48 catches. From week nine on to week fifteen, 542 of his uh, 734 yards. So he was a non-factor for most of the season, then an absolute animal down the stretch. I I think with him, it probably depends on what coaching genius Sean McVay does, uh, in, in terms of whether you know he wants to go with the 12 personnel or whether you know they they think they want to be have more wide receivers out there. We'll see. I think a lot probably depends on like you know what does. Cooper Cup is, is, is Cooper Cup going to be healthy and out there? Are they going to use Josh Reynolds more? I think the, the development of those wide receivers will, will almost dictate what Higby does, but it, you're right. It's hard to ignore what he did down the stretch. Uh, nobody ignored Austin Hooper, number eight on the list. He got paid by the Browns. Um, it's kind of tough to do, to slot him. Cause I mean, I think we don't know. What he's gonna, we know what he was doing in Atlanta. We don't know what he's gonna do in Cleveland, where they did give him a ton of money, but they have you know, uh, David Njoku, they, they have a lot of depth of the position.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you look at the contract and you say he's coming out of a good offense, he's going to maybe a little bit more questionable situation. Um, that could be tough, but I think everything else points to it's okay to bet on him and, and they're okay to pay him that money because he's he's 25. Unlike Evan Ingram, his numbers have gone up every year. Um, I just think he's, he's quiet. He's probably a little underrated, actually. I mean, he, even though he got that big deal, I think a lot of people, you know, that's, that's gonna, I guess, dictate people's opinions about him. But I think Baker Mayfield, I mean, it's hard, it'll be hard for them to be much worse than they were offensively, uh, under Freddie Kitchens and, and what happened last year. Um, I think Kevin Stefanski, he knows, um, you know, he's coming out of a Vikings offense that for years used Kyle Rudolph, uh, pretty well. I think, um, yeah, I, I just like the fit. I think the profile just fits. It's a young ascending player and uh, a young quarterback that's looking to
0: rebound. Uh, number seven, Jared Cook. Not a young ascending player, but a guy that, like, I swear to God, every, every like, offseason it's like, Jared Cook is about to really have a breakout year. Um, do, do you think – I mean – is it coming? He had, I mean, he had 800, almost 900 yards with Oakland two years ago and 700 with New Orleans last year. I mean, he hadn't had a bad, he's been a good player. I just don't know if a thousand yard season's on the horizon.
1: Yeah, I don't know if it's uh, expecting a breakout as much as just uh, looking at his track record and it's been pretty steady. Um, I think it's everywhere besides Green Bay that he's gone and he's gone to a bunch of places. He's been solid. Um, so I think at the very least you're you're working with a high floor there with Jared Cook, especially in that offense. I mean, that's part of the, you know, if we're looking at their situation, uh, it's hard to be in a better spot than you've got Michael Thomas on the outside, Alvin Kamara in the backfield, Drew Brees. I mean, he's going to get work, and I think he's shown that, you know, he is older, um, but he's been pretty durable. He's, um, yeah, he's just produced, and I think he's also had some of his better years in the last few seasons. So I think that he's another guy that, you know, not spectacular but but solid.
0: All right. I, uh, I, would, I would agree with you there. And then the guy replaced him in Oakland – Darren Waller, a massive breakout year last year. Nobody loves a checkdown quite like uh, quite like Derek Carr, and uh, Darren Waller is very good for checking down. Or I guess five, 10 yard out, Derek Carr, whatever you want to call it. Um, Darren Waller had a I mean a massive season, 90 catches on 117 targets. That's almost 80 uh, percent, and a thousand one hundred forty five yards, just three touchdowns. But I mean, he was a fantasy a fantasy league winner basically last year.
1: Yeah, I mean, those numbers alone you'd think would maybe put him higher, but obviously when it's just one season, I mean, before that he did nothing. He was a, a hard knocks story, um, and so you want to be a little bit cautious. But then again, uh, you know, you don't catch 90 balls by accident. Right. Um, I guess if you're working with Derek Carr, um, I mean, that offense could change this year. I mean, they want to add speed. They want to be more creative. Uh, but you could, on the flip side, I mean, if, um, if the speed opens up more and there's, there's spots there over the middle for him to get targets. I mean, if he doesn't replicate 1100 yards again, that's, you know, I think that's okay. Um, but still when Derek Carr's your quarterback, even if Marcus Mariota comes in, I mean, I think he's going to get targets. Um, and the other thing, yeah, I mean, it, part of, part of this is attributed to maybe the checkdowns, but he also caught, I believe it was close to 80% of his passes. And so, uh, he was a reliable receiver, not just a, a big splashy receiver last year as well.
0: And he got he got paid. He got paid too. He was real. Excuse me. Um, Georgia Tech guy. I don't think I realized he went to Georgia Tech. Some I don't remember that. I guess he was there when um, uh, Paul Johnson was there. So it's like nobody okay. is memorable at Georgia Tech, you know? Because they always yeah. run like, like for years. They ran the. I, anyway, <laughs> I don't need to go off on a Paul Johnson tangent. Uh, he didn't win a, an ACC title, so that's unnecessary. Uh, let's take a quick break. When we come back, to top five tight ends. Okay. So at number five, this is probably the hardest guy to slot, right? Rob Gronkowski, who retired, took a year off of football, came back, was traded to the Buccaneers. And now I, like, you just don't know exactly what you're going to get from him, but I like the slotting at five. He has the upside to be, I think, I, I mean, I guess he could still be the number one tight end in football. Maybe. I don't know. Cody, what do you think? Ah, uh,
1: yeah. I mean, possibly. I think that, uh, I said this ranking didn't get a whole lot of. Backlash, but the one thing that people did point out is, is maybe, you know, some people thought he was too high at five and some people thought he was too low. And I think that's, that kind of speaks to the unpredictability here. I think, um, Rob Gronkowski hasn't played a full season since 2011. He took a whole year off of football. I mean, you could look at that two different ways. You could say he's going to be rested up or, uh, you know, I guess he's in good shape, but still a year away from football is a year away um with Tom Brady there I mean you're guaranteed to get a lot of targets um but again the expectation I think if you're expecting him to play 16 games that's just a little bit foolish if you look at his resume and mm. so when he's on the field when he's healthy I think it much in the same way with Hunter Henry I mean he produces and to a greater degree than Hunter Henry um so that's why I think number five I mean I think let's say he plays 13 games, I think he should still be a top 10 tight end. Um, It's just a matter of how many games is he going to give you and how long is that, uh I guess, learning curve in Tampa Bay. But I still – I mean, you look at the receivers, I just think it's going to be – he's going to get plays. He's going to get red zone targets. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, they're going to take uh guys off of him or he's going to draw them away from the other guys. I mean, it's going to be – it's a good situation for for Gronk.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think, to me, it almost comes down to – is, is, like, what, how is Bruce Arians going to design this offense? Is he going to try to feature Gronk as a, a receiver a lot? Or is he maybe worried that, you know, Tristan Works comes in there and isn't prepared to handle the, the blindside out of the gate and he decides to stick Gronk, you know, basically have him hug. Uh, the left side of that, or the, I guess the right side of that offensive line, or even help out and, you know, like, you could put Gronk in there and he's a, he's a great blocker. And you yeah. can have Chris Godwin and Mike Evans running routes. You almost got Tyler Johnson they brought in and, and Justin Watson, who they like of, uh, 2018 fifth round pick. Um, well, you know, they're not loaded at wide receiver in terms of that third, like, like they have two great ones, obviously, but the, there's not a ton of depth. So maybe, I think you're right. I think Gronk, I could see a, 600 yard, or like 600 yard, 10 touchdown season. Yeah, where, that's like, the thing. You know, where he does a ton of the blocking, but then he's a big time red zone target.
1: Yeah, I mean, he could, he could play the extra left and right tackle spot, uh, most of the year, but he's still in the red zone. I mean, I'm sure Tom Brady's going to be looking his way. And so that's exactly what I, and and if he posts 600 yards, 10 touchdowns, I mean, I think, uh, and you're still talking good numbers there
0: for him. Oh, yeah, for sure. But if, if even if he does that, I think one of, the, you know, like then I think your your ranking will check out because you look at what Mark Andrews does, you got it at number 4 and he's 852 yards and 10 touchdowns last year in a monster breakout season at the age of 23, he was Lamar Jackson's top target. It, like even if so like Gronk almost has to have like a peak Gronk year to really climb back into this top top five. Uh, I guess uh, to be a top four. And look, if he was number three after the season, that would be surprising.
1: Yeah. And a, and a peak Gronk year, you probably need, I mean, closer to 16 games than what he's given you uh, these last few years. And so that's, that could be asking. So, yeah, I think I guess like,
0: I mean, I'm sorry. I just, I just wonder, like, you know, you look at Gronk and um, the last few years, if I can find the freaking thing, uh, i was trying to look and see what his snap count was. Um, why, why can i not find snap counts oh well anyway my point being is that like it wouldn't be surprising so all right, here we go 2018 he played 75% of the snaps 2000 even 2017 when he was an all pro 79% of the snaps cuz he sits out games. he's never played more than 85% of the snaps in in his career so it wouldn't be surprising at all if the buccaneers utilized oj howard um and yeah. and other and other formations and stuff like that in order to give him and camera break too in order to give gronk time off to keep him rested this is a team that thinks it's going to the playoffs so you don't want to play gronk a 100 percent of the snaps out of the gate and have him wear down too quickly
1: yeah i think they will be i mean if bruce arians brought him in i mean i think he's he seems like the perfect coach to come up with a game plan like that i mean he sure. knows this is a this is a win now uh season you have tom brady you want to I mean, I, I doubt they bring Gronk in without having that kind of discussion about how are we going to – you're coming off a year out of football, you've had injuries, let's make sure we get you in there when you need to be in there.
0: Um, what uh, – How uh do you think Mark Andrews has a path to becoming number one on this list, or is that just asking too much?
1: Well, I mean, if you like Lamar Jackson's trajectory, yeah, but it's tough. I mean, these top four, I mean, they're all in really good – Quarterback offense situations. Now, I, I would consider Mark Andrews. I mean, the top three I think are are more interchangeable than Mark Andrews is, but he's he certainly got the upside. I mean, so you think there's talking, a drop
0: off after the top three? Then,
1: yeah, I mean, I, I would put the the big three together: Ertz, uh, Kelsey, and Kittle. I think are yeah. in just these the one A B C class there, and I think all three of those were the only three, or all three of them had, uh, I think it was at least 170 catches and 2,000 receiving yards over the last two years. All three of them had that. They were the only three on the list. And so I think that they're just a the class above, but Mark Andrews, if he's got one thing, he's got upside. I mean, he had 10, He You only played
0: 41% of the snaps last year for the Ravens. It's crazy. He,
1: I think he only had officially two, four starts. I'm not sure what yeah. the, the number was. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think it was four starts, which is, it's just wild. He's only 23. He's a ton of upside, but you're right. Like, I think the problem for him is that he would need to be more full-time, like Ertz, Kelsey, yeah. and Kittle to crack that, to crack that, the, the top yeah. two.
1: The good thing with him, too, is he's not just this, um you know, like Darren Waller just catching everything over the middle from dump-offs. Um I think over the last two years he's averaged over 14 yards a catch, and so he's been a, a big play tight end as well. So I think he's – I mean, he's got a lot going for him, and, and in that offense um, where you're doing a lot of – uh, stuff in the backfield and then quick strikes over the middle. I mean, I think that, uh, I think the offense, the whole situation is, is good for him.
0: Yeah. Uh, he, uh, he could, uh, look, there's, there's, he's probably going to get overdrafted in fantasy and there's probably some regression coming, uh, in terms of the 10 touchdowns. And that's fine, but the dude, the dude's a monster and he's, he's going to be really but, good next year.
1: Let me ask you, uh, a lot of, so one person that people pointed out too that was missing from this list was, Hayden Hurst, who obviously left Baltimore from behind Mark Andrews, kind of assuming he's just going to be that Austin Hooper. Uh, but I was—I mean—I'm a little more skeptical. I don't know that it's—it's it's going to be just that easy. Um, and I, I know. Yeah, I Falcons don't.
0: I—I wouldn't put him on this list. That's for sure. Like you know. Yeah. I, 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 when you said somebody else, I was like, who did I admit, who did I forget about thinking? And the, the Hayden Hurst was not like Hayden Hurst has upside, but he's like already 27 years old. I mean, he came out of. Um, you know, he, I mean, he came out of South Carolina and he was, or he'll be, excuse me, he'll be 27 in August. I mean, yeah, he could, he could break out for the Falcons this year, but I don't think it's automatic that he just gets all of Austin Hooper's receptions. It's not like the biggest snub. Who's the biggest snub? Oh, or was it Dallas Goddard?
1: He was in the honorable mention, but I wasn't going to put him above. So Evan Ingram, you could make a case for maybe Eric Ebron if he rebounded. Um, uh what was I gonna say? But yeah, Hayden Hurst, I think it's not like he didn't have an opportunity in Baltimore. I mean, Mark Andrews was the number four tight end uh two years ago. I mean he Hayden Hurst was a first round draft pick. I mean I think this was this wasn't a, a case where he just he didn't have the opportunity. He he missed the opportunity in Baltimore. So I wouldn't just plug him in. But
0: the uh the Ravens took him ahead of Lamar Jackson, actually, which is people forget about wow. that. Uh, Um, no, I agree. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have Hayden Hurst on the list either though. Uh, okay. So the, the big three you mentioned, um, Zach Ertz, George Kittle, and Travis Kelsey. I would maybe at the risk of offending you, I would maybe push back that it's a big two and that Zach Ertz is made, is, is in his own category. And that's not necessarily a, a dig on Ertz, who's a really, really good player. It's just sort of, I think because of how the Eagles operated, and because of how much they use Dallas Goddard, I always think that Ertz might have dipped a little bit last year out of that top two list. I would actually, and you have, uh, Kelsey, Kittle, Ertz. I would, I think Ertz at three is right. I would put Kittle above Kelsey yeah. myself yeah. just because of all around blocking and everything that he does in that offense. But Kelsey probably the best receiving tight end.
1: Yeah. I think if I were to make one change or, or, or do this again, I mean, I think Kittle and Kelsey are, are so close. I mean, you could swap them. I mean, I can definitely make an argument to myself that George Kittle is number one. I mean, I think um, if you're talking about, he's got three less seasons of, of wear and tear he's younger. He's, I mean, he operates like the number one receiver in that offense. I mean, if you think about San Francisco, their wide receivers are, are gadget guys. I mean, Debo Samuel, Brandon, Ayuk, those are guys that yes, they're wide receivers, but uh, that's a run based team. I mean, George Kittle is, is Jimmy Garoppolo's number one target. Yeah, and uh, sure. he's—I uh, think it was two straight years, 85 catches. I mean, over a thousand yards. Kelsey got the nod here from me, just because. I mean, he his floor to me is even is even higher than anybody. I just think he's had it's four straight years, 80 catches, over a thousand yards. I mean, Patrick Mahomes. I mean that those are that is those are pretty number ridiculous.
0: One. Like, I mean, he's averaged. What is he? Let's see. What is he? I mean, what is he average for the last few years? I mean, it's like it's in, it's kind of insane. I mean, he's like. I mean, he has. 80 catches and a 1000 yards in four straight seasons. For a tight end, that's that yeah. is really really strong.
1: And I know, I mean he's been around longer than Kittle and so, you know, maybe there's some has it or uh some
0: His average to- uh over the over those four seasons, 92 catches, 1182 yards. That is that is that is absurd. Maybe I I mean maybe I'm wrong on Kittle. I don't know. Kittle, like Kittle just to me has more upside. I think they both fit perfectly in the offenses they're in. Like, Kittle would be awesome with the Chiefs, don't get me wrong, but Kelsey is, he doesn't need to block as much in, in the Chiefs' offense, whereas Kittle is such a good and dynamic run blocker, and they need him as sort of that fake when you start doing the play-action stuff and you have him get out there and pummel dudes and then break free, and, 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 he, and he's so good after the catch. Kelsey is too, but I think Kittle is maybe better running in the open field just because he's so punishing. He's, like, looking for contact.
1: And that's maybe where the difference is, the drop-off between these two and Ertz because I think you're talking about more of after-the-catch uh, ability with these top two guys. I mean, Ertz has been steady, really steady. Um, he's been everyone's favorite target there. I mean, going back to Nick Foles, the Chip Kelly years, I mean, ever since he took over for Brent Selleck. But I think you're right. I think the, the after-the-catch ability is, is there. Um, yeah, I mean, and I think you could take any of these three, and let's say you put Ertz on the Chiefs, you put Kittle, uh, you know, with the Eagles. I mean, if you swapped any of these three, I think they're all in great position. I think they're all still putting up these kind of numbers.
0: Yeah. And uh, the Eagles, by the way, I think they're going to do a ton of 12 personnel this year with both Goddard and Kelsey out there. You got yeah.
1: out there. And that's another thing. I mean, Dallas Goddard was kind of like a, a quasi-starter last year. And Zach Ertz still caught 88 passes, um, you know, and so he's he's a target even when he's not the necessarily the only big tight end out there.
0: All right. Uh, I like it. This is a good list. I, I'm glad that you were able to escape the the heat that Sean and, and but see, and but then everyone, the you like, give well, me the heat. Where's the heat?
1: Well, I mean, I, when you're making it, you don't necessarily want that, but then of course, you know, you get the players on the segments, you get the atten- I mean, that what's better, Will? You know that you're in the podcast world. I mean,
0: is people is talking about it is better, right? Nobody's talking about you. I also think that, like, for whatever reason, I think that the way that the tight ends shake out, where it's like, okay, we know that, that, that let's say, Kittle and Kelsey are at the top of your list, no matter what. Ertz is going to be closer right there, Andrews and Gronk. And then it's like, is anybody going to get, like, real mad that, like, Tyler Higbee's nine instead of, all like, Evan Ingram? Like, maybe Evan Ingram, but, I, yeah. I guess my
1: path would have been putting Gronk at, like, at one or something. But leaving and Gronk off. Yeah, yeah. See, but that's just, yeah. And people would, yeah, that. yeah. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. If you go Gronk one, people would have freaked out. Or like Andrews one, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't, know don't know. People don't people don't get as mad about tight ends as they do. Yeah, DB. I'll I don't know why. That, yeah,
1: fine. I I think the list that that's it. Like so. all,
0: like leaving Alvin Kamara off the running backs list that's gonna get people mad. Like, is yeah. anybody taking Alvin Leonard Fournette over Alvin Kamara? No chance. I think I heard.
1: Was it so? Was it Ryan that left Von Miller off the the yes, edge rushers? They tagged
0: Von Miller. They're like, hey, at Von Miller, you weren't on the edge rushers. What do you think about that? And he's like, yeah. and the Broncos <laughs> tweeted it. And the Broncos are like, quote, tweeted it. Everybody got, yeah. It's That's what you got to do. Is you got to leave off a big name. And I don't know that there's yeah. like, I don't know if there's a tight end that you could like leave off without looking like you were either doing it on purpose, forgot, or you're just a total jerk fit. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah, yeah, it's hard to, it's hard to, it's hard, like, you can't be like. I'm sorry, George Kittle's not a top-ten tight end. That's just where I stand on this. People are like, what yeah. are you talking about, bro?
1: Yeah. No, it is a pretty straightforward group, I think. And, uh, yeah, those bottom guys, I think they're all in a similar – I mean, Evan Ingram, Hunter Henry, those are guys that – they've just got big question marks. But if they, if they can answer those, they'll be fine.
0: Or maybe you just did a great job on the list and people aren't mad. Maybe that's what it is. Uh, did a good job on the podcast. Uh, Cody Benjamin. Is it at Cody J. Benjamin or just at Cody Benjamin?
1: Yeah. Should I switch that? Should I try and switch it? It's my middle name. Ah.
0: No, I don't think you need to switch it. I just, okay. just make sure I gave out the right Twitter. Okay, name. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know if yeah. it was like a. I didn't like. I, I know, I, I know what it is, but I don't. I just want to make sure I got it right. Is, is oh. Cody Benjamin available? That's a good say, point. We'll, we I don't know people to change their their
1: Twitter names in the past on this podcast, so maybe that's where Cody's looking for a little bit of advice.
0: Well, I mean, I tried is- to get you know, I try to get Sean Sean Wagner to drop McGuff entirely of his name.
1: Well, so, like, I'm not I've it. noticed that sometimes so do you I mean do you choose just to to get rid of that last half of the hyphen just out of saving yes. some words or
0: Yes, yes. I, just, I like I call him Sean Wagner. Like I'm like cuz I don't want to be like I just don't want to call him Sean Wagner mcguff I, I don't want to <laughs> do. it. I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, well, I think Sean Wagner is a cooler name than Sean Wagner mcguff uh, Man.
1: Well, I don't want to beat up on Sean too much on this podcast. Yeah, you know. uh, We've all listen. But yeah. On radio shows, I'll go on and, and we'll end it. And they'll say, follow him at Cody Benjamin on Twitter. And Cody J!
0: Looks like Cody in. Benjamin is taken. But he joined April 2010. Doesn't have an avatar. Doesn't follow anybody. Doesn't have any followers. And mm. in fact, has never <sighs> tweeted. Really? Yeah. So I think you could probably call Twitter and be like, hey, can you, can you give me that? Mm. Maybe I
1: accidentally registered that way back then.
0: Ooh, that could be the case. Yeah. (laughs) I'll give him a call. And then you forgot the password. (laughs)
1: Yeah.
0: I don't know. I I wish I'd gotten uh, just the username Brinson, but somebody named Art Garrity (laughs) registered in September, 2010, which I think was actually before I did it. Maybe I was January, 2010. Uh, He got at Brinson for some particular reason. He doesn't follow anybody. He has two followers, which doesn't make any sense in the world. So Lisa, who appears to be a Japanese bot, and uh, Ken DeFuture, <laughs> who follows me, and I assume thought he was following me when he did that. And uh, the only time that Art Garrity has ever tweeted was September 2nd, 2010, when he tweeted Tampa, Florida. And that is hmm. was, that was, that was, that was the extent of his tweets. So maybe, I need really to get him. Of maybe I need to get Brinson, too. Yeah, well, we'll work on it together. Yeah, we'll we'll petition Twitter and go after him. Uh, all right, follow him at Cody J. Benjamin. That was a weird. We got several weird tangents in this one. I like it. Uh, thanks for doing it, buddy. Appreciate the time. Great list, and yep. we'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks for having me on. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it.